The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen without ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. The Contrarian Investor Podcast wants to find the best and give them a voice. To help in our search, we use Covey to find and track the best contrarians. Our guests' stock picks are available in real time on the website covey.io slash contrarian. Now, these portfolios are available for anyone to view, track, and share. And on top of that, we encourage our listeners to join our community by building virtual portfolios of stocks and ETFs to compete and rise to the top. At the end of the year, we'll interview the top performing analyst on Covey, right here on the Contrarian Investor Podcast. That means you or any great contrarians you know can rise to the top based on merit and get a voice. Again, the website, covey.io slash contrarian. Michael Pisani, also known as Options Mike, from smartoptiontrading.com. Thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today. Nah, it's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, pleasure to have you. Great having you. And we're here to talk about your Contrarian take on the market as we record this after the close on Tuesday, November 29th. So we're heading into the last month of the year. It's been a tough year for stocks and for risk assets in general, not even going to talk about cryptos, but just for stocks, it's, it's been tough, but you're bullish now going into this last month of the year and potentially even early next year. So tell me about that. A couple of things are going on here. And that is sentiment is extremely negative right now. And, and, and let's not, let's be honest. There's good reason for sentiment to be very negative, right? We are either in a recession or heading into a recession, depending upon your, how you want to look at it. The war in the Ukraine is dragging on. We have COVID raging again in China now and supply chains under basically under pressure there again. And you have a Fed that is tightening like mad into a recession that may actually cause a deeper recession. So I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. I said there's a lot of problems out there. But what I'm looking at short term right now is, you know, we've been the high of the day, the high of the year was put on the first trading day of the year. That was January 4th this year. And um, if you look at the SPY chart, we're coming up on that downtrend again, where if you look at the, we touched two other times where we're coming into it. 
And to me, this market's looking for a reason to rally because you have so much money sitting on the sidelines, so much negative sentiment that it's looking for any good excuse to rally. And remember, you have all these fund managers who get paid bonuses based upon their performance. How do you think most of these guys have done this year? Yeah, not well. Not well. So they're looking to chase money. So for me, you look at the SPY and it starts to get above this 409, 4010 area in the next week or so, and it breaks that downtrend. You could have the chase on, and you know, and that's what we call FOMO, fear of missing out mm-hmm. type trade that can come in. Yeah. Now, I mean, the whole the whole Powell thing, like we've been fooled twice already by him this and by the Fed this year, at least yep. twice. Going into Jackson Hole, obviously, and then going into this last Fed meeting, both times there was very significant hopes of a Fed pivot coming in, and even we had reason to based on some of the comments that the Fed had said, and then. Powell came out with that rug pull. Would this third time really be different? I mean, he's been consistent with his concerns about inflation and all that stuff. Well, something has changed in the last Fed meeting. And if you notice that the Fed minutes showed it, the, the Fed was not unanimous anymore on keep raising at 0.75. And the the language in the language released in the press release did not match the language Powell used in his press conference. They were extremely different. If you remember, the market rallied like mad off of the initial 0.75 hike and the language put in by the, the Fed as a whole. And then it bombed after Powell came down and said, you know, no, 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 no. So remember, he's one vote. Now he has a lot he can push on, but he's one vote. So we're, we're looking to see, is he backing off at all here? And you're right. He's been difficult. I do find it funny, though. There's so many people out there that are are, are, are crying and saying Powell has to go and he's horrible. But when Powell saved the markets a couple of years ago and he did great, he was a hero and he saved, made everybody a lot of money. So, mm. you know, life is life is funny. Yeah. Yeah. People don't remember that, of course, anymore. That's ancient history. No by now but i do oh. think though that they are they're become blindsided here that they they cannot see beyond the what's going on with inflation they don't realize that every time they raise hikes they hike the rates they're hurting the average person they're raising mm-hmm. their credit card debt they're paying more on interest on that their mortgages are getting more expensive they have to go out and do a new mortgage i mean their 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 car pay if you get a new car you know look at the loans on cars they're 7 8% now they don't realize the damage they're doing to the average person that's yeah. the problem yeah, but I mean, they would certainly argue that, you know, price stability, right? It's been the big mantra since Jackson Hole and that, you know, they view that as their, that that's their primary thing, that and I guess full employment, which now full employment is taken care of. So you have to sure up price stability, right? I mean, you know, they can't control things like food and, and oil and gas because these are commodities that are world regulated by the world and world markets. So they have a limited thing they can affect. And this whole idea we're raising interest rates through the roof and we are we are selling off for our assets at the same time maybe pick one hmm. instead of trying to do both of them at the same time yeah but that's yeah, my that, thought yeah. so you do think there's a lot of money still on the sidelines here i think they said there's a record amount of money here on the sidelines at this point and uh-huh. the and retail has been selling of late which is usually another indicator to me when retail starts to finally throw in the bag throw the towel in that's usually when the market's trying to close in on a bottom right um you know kind of look at this we we bottomed out back when was it September, October, we bottomed out around around the 350 area. And we've been on a steady little slow grind up here now for, for two months. You know, again, the market was trying to hold up here instead of falling apart. You know, last couple of times we did this pop up and then we came right back down. This time we've come up and we've been going sideways now for the better part of two and a half weeks. 
that's a consolidation. The market's looking for a reason to try to pop. It just needs it. And it, it just it really just needs a good reason other than, hey, we had some weak data. It needs the Fed to say, you know, Powell can come out and say, you know, uh, I'm thinking we do one more 0.75 rate hike and then we go more data dependent going into January. That would that would make the market extremely happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, FOMO is something we have not seen since the heady days. Well, actually, it was really just a year ago, I guess. where We still had some FOMO. Um, but it's been in a couple of years since it was really out in force. But you think it can come back? Again, it's everybody's going to chase because they're just not underperforming this year, right? I mean, it's been an okay year for me. It hasn't been a great year. I mean, you know, I'm not the best short in the world, so I tend to miss out on something. I'll short, but I'm not as good at it as some other people are. So it's been a tough market. You have to pick your spots. You have to pick your names. You have to get in and out quickly. So everybody's looking for a reason. If the chase comes on, it's, it's going to start with some big money because there's a lot of big funds that are sitting on the sidelines and they're waiting. You brought up this whole crypto thing. That's kind of a little bit of a black swan event that came out of nowhere, right? I mean, that's that's the definition of a black swan event. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. We don't really know the true uh, contagion effect that that is yet, but yeah. so far the market's shrugging it off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the flip side of this is at some point, you know, I've always viewed this as two sides. Like on the one hand, you could have a Santa Claus rally, but on the other hand, you could have tax loss harvesting. And at the end of a bad year, sometimes people tend to just throw in the towel. So you don't think that's a risk? I think you're seeing that. Okay. I think that's been going on here for the last couple of weeks. You're seeing a lot of tax loss selling in some of these names that are getting beaten up a little bit. To your point, Santa Claus rally, though, starts uh, Christmas week. So we got a, a little okay. ways before we kind of get there. But we closed October positive and typically if you close positive seasonality kicks in and we have a strong close to the year mm-hmm. you know I, i'm just playing the odds here and the percentage mm-hmm. and looking at everything and saying okay we, you know we're in position that doesn't mean it has to and by the way the names that have led us in the last five or six years or ten years of this bull run may not be the names that lead us in the next bull run and i know everybody loves the apples and the amazons and the microsofts and googles and metas of the world but they had their runs you know I'm thinking that you're looking at different types of names here that could lead the next bull run. And there will be another bull run. I don't think this is a long-term bear market we're heading into unless something else comes out of nowhere that we just don't know yet. Yeah. Perfect lead in to to the next question, which is where, where you do think that this could, and do you think that this, this next bull run could start or could already be happening now or. I, I think you're, you're looking at a market that's trying to bottom, but not necessarily a bull run is trying to go. I think a bull run will start once we really see inflation dying off. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think you need to see um, Ukrainian resolution of somehow there over where, whether it's, you know, and that won't probably happen until the, uh, into the spring when, when the both sides clash hard again one more time because it's yeah. winter and yeah. you don't have a lot, you know. One thing Russia learned and most most countries learn, you don't do a lot of fighting in winter. It's just a very difficult time to keep your troops alive. And if they if they get hurt, you can't you have a lot less time to get them to a medic. They don't they don't last as long when they're injured and the, and they're just more difficult. So I think market's gonna look for some type of resolution there, whether it's a hammered out peace treaty eventually over time or one side just finally wins that. Okay. Uh, hopefully not Russia, but you know. Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. Yeah. So, okay. So what, but what areas of the market do you like? I mean, you mentioned all the Amazons and I guess the Fang stocks. Yeah. They've seen better days anyway, but. I'm very high on Ford. Ford. 
and uh, you know, I'm already in for it. I've been long it since the early 20s. I've been adding a little bit over time as it comes down. And I'm high on Ford and to a certain extent GM because I think these are the two best companies to move forward into the EV space and really take on Tesla. While Tesla is a great company and in no way talking Tesla down, Ford and GM have something Tesla doesn't have. They have a showroom and a repair center on every block, every in every town around this country, right? You, you can't go anywhere without seeing a Ford or a GM, and they're both putting a ton of money in it. So I really like Ford. Uh, for me, it really needs to take out kind of that 1455 area, and then it can start to run, especially if the market's going. And I think they are positioning themselves to really be a big player in the EV space moving forward. And I like that as a long-term play. So this is not like something I'd be looking to say, hey, get in, get out. I mean, you can certainly do that. But I think, you know, I think if you look between now and the end of the year, if the market pushes 1650 and up into the 1750 areas, easily doable, which for stock trading at 1375 is not a bad move. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, that's one. And that's, that's you know, a different one. The other one I like, and I, they have earnings this week. So got to see what they are, as I really like snow down here. Snow. Okay. So what I like about snow is, what I don't like about snow is they're hemorrhaging money. Which in this market is a very bad thing because that means you need to raise more money and the cost of, of, of borrowing money has gotten more expensive. And that's going to be the doom of a lot of companies. So, by the way, if you think you like names like Peloton and Beyond and Affirm and Carvana, these companies are hemorrhaging money left and right and running out of cash. And they're going to have to do something to raise more money. I'd be very careful. I, I, they're all on my list of companies potentially going to zero. Or getting, or somebody comes and buys them and saves them at the last second cheap. Right. But the reason I like snow is because they have incredible growth right now. And one thing that whenever you go into a bull run and the market is always looking for in growth names is they're looking for big growth. And that's what snow has. Yes, they're losing money, but they're growing at almost a double per year or more. And that the market's looking for. And that's just a matter of time before they start to get profitable if they can keep that up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and their last couple of reports have been pretty good. It's got to take out 173. That's a 200-day right now. But if it takes that out, it can really run. And I like that to move up. And I can see this thing. You know, you're going to laugh at me. I can see this thing up in the 240, 250 range by the end of the year. Hmm. I mean, it was so, higher than that during the during 2020, wasn't it? Yes, much higher. Yeah. It was up in the – I think it was three, 380 or something like that. or three. I don't have my chart going back far enough, but yeah. Um, but I like it, you know. But that's a nice little move that you can pick up on. Now, earnings, I think, are on Thursday night. So I would make sure I'd see what the report, see the reaction, you know, make sure they don't have major, you know, you never know. Earnings are always a crapshoot. I always tell people yeah. that, like, you never know what they're going to say. Like, Crowd tonight just reported and their revenue was late and their guidance was worse. Yeah. That's been a darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so, Snow, you really think that can, it can, I mean, I guess they're still kind of early stage, right? Is the, Pam, I mean, how much have they have they tapped into that? I, I don't know much about the business. Yeah. You know, they're another cloud baser in this growth. Okay. And they can they can really just kind of grow it and push it. They have a good CEO there, and I can't for the life of me at the moment remember his name. For some reason I'm blanking on it. But they well liked, and it's a well liked company. I, again, go do your. You know, I always tell you go do your own research. I'm a technical trader more than a fundamental trader. Honest answer. I don't necessarily care what the company is as long as I know it's a real company and has, you know, it, it has assets and stuff. I like this one a, a little bit and I, I like this enough to say I would like it and go forward with it. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, 
just another one. But yeah, this one has growth. Mm. And if you look what's going on out there, and this is some of the things that are a problem with Salesforce, which reports this week, their growth has slowed down drastically, yeah. right? Adobe or all these all these um, these cloud companies, their growth has slowed. If you're a if you're a a manager looking for to to get your number, you're looking for stocks that can go wild, and that's where growth comes in. So I like that one as well. It's another mm-hmm. one to take a look at. Okay, cool. That's some that's some good names here. Ford, GM, and Snow. Um, very interesting. Anything else there? Any other or even sectors that you like? Well, I'm going to give you guys an easy contrarian play, and it's okay. a name I personally hate. Okay, and that's RK, the Ark Fund from Kathy. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, you know, I think Kathy's style of investing is um, suspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy high and keep adding all the way to the uh, down. I'm going to get like mad. Um, that said, if you don't want a specific name and you want to play an ETF that can go nuts because they come after growth, this would be the one to take a look at. Now, it's got some good names in it, like Tesla, like Square and such. And it's got a lot of crap in it, too. Right. So, you know, you, you got to realize that it's got a lot of really you know, names. You know, everybody loves DraftKings, but they're hemorrhaging money left and right. And they need massive amounts of capital. And their cost of acquisition is through the roof to get a person. And she owns a ton of that. Um, but if they come after growth and you can't decide what to go, well, for $34.80, you can throw some money at this ETF. And this can rally up into the 47 area towards the end of the year. Again, if they come after it. If they don't, this one also could go quickly down and put a new 52-week low in. So this is the you know this is a much more dangerous, risky play. Yeah, but it gives you broad exposure instead of having to pick the names. Yeah, I mean, couldn't you just buy the cubes? I mean, if that's what you're after, you could. But this is you're going to get much more growth-oriented names if they, re- if they really decide to come after. Because remember, what's been driving this market this year has been energy, which has gone mm-hmm. through the roof. The pharmaceuticals, the big pharma, right? These are safety names. You have industrials. Like cat and deer are been really good, so those are those are all really strong. So again, where could they go? The banks have had strong moves. Uh, healthcare has been strong for the most part. So where can they go? Well, growth is one of the places they can come into. So I, I would again, this is not my favorite play, but you asked for some contrarian plays. Yeah, this is a contrarian play. That's certainly contrarian. So so you do believe that Kathy has that she's that she does have something that she is able to pick some stocks. I mean, she picked some, they shouldn't buy high at all of them, did she? God, she bought coin in the first day. Well, okay. Yeah, um, and she bought a lot of these names up high. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I just, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I just, what worked for her was she was so brilliant during the pandemic. She bought everything yeah. that was beaten and then she didn't change her trading style as we came out of it. That's right. And. You know, I mean, hasn't she is. said that oil is going to become obsolete or something like that? Yeah, and at one point she said crypto is going, Bitcoin is going to 500,000 or something. And I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we take a break, speaking of cryptos, um, I mean, you did mention that. I mean, you're probably not a crypto guy or maybe you are, but you no. know, what are your views on that? I've been saying this forever to my members and everybody. I, I believe it is it is complete speculation. If you buy, if you go out and I if I give you a dollar, you know it's worth a dollar or so based upon it's backed by the full faith of the United States government, where if you get a euro, it's backed by the euro or yen. Whatever you're getting, you know it's backed by that government. And all these cryptocurrencies are backed by absolutely nothing. They're only worth whatever any somebody at that moment in time thinks they're worth. I mean, you want to throw a $1,000 or something into that or a couple thousand for speculation, that's fine. But 
I, I, I don't understand where they're going to go with this and what, you know, who's going to want to trust them now after this FTA, uh, FCX thing, FTX thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the question that I've had also is why anybody, why these haven't collapsed completely. I mean, maybe the institutional money has been out of them since earlier, since they said the high. One of the bad things that happens that um, some fund managers do is, you know, when they get into trouble and their, their funds are in trouble and blowing up and they're leveraged, instead of selling, they first their first instinct is to double down and to leverage up higher on it and that's probably what's going on here with some of these 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 funds and like cryptos and if it drops again that's when the real carnage and that's will come into the market because then you'll see margin calls in the market to cover the losses because they have to cover the losses they're taking over in the bitcoin the crypto world and that's the danger you have to watch out for there yeah i'm surprised um, that it hasn't happened yet we did. The first couple yeah. of days when it came down, yeah. you saw the selling in the afternoon. That was margin calls that were going off across the space. But it's basically stabilized and holding around 16,000 for now. So as long as it kind of holds in that range, I think the market's okay. But you know, if you're a fund manager, you should be trying to unload this stuff, not adding back into it. You know, a lot of people keep asking about coin. I'm like, you know, th th this thing's story is going to be the high was the first day of trading up at 400 and something. And everybody remembers Jim Cramer screaming, I want it here. I'm owning it here. And mm -hmm. You know, this thing's trading down what in the forties, forty area now. I mean, it's yeah. just been absolutely destroyed, and I don't see an easy out for this. They're just there's so much competition too, right? Because yeah, right? right. you can go to Fidelity now, and you can buy if you really want to. You can buy cryptocurrencies in your in your retirement plan, or your in your portfolio there. So, what do you need coin for? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and they charge higher commissions too, don't they? I mean, that's my understanding. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, Mike Pisani here, very interesting conversation. I want to come back and ask you some more stuff, ask you a little more about your your business here, um, how you do that, and, and types of maybe some of the types of lessons that you teach your guys there in options trading land. But let's first take a quick break and come back. If you are a premium subscriber, do not touch the dial. You will not get the break. And we'll be right back. In fact, we already are. And to become a premium subscriber, visit our Substack, Contrarian Pod. .substack.com and sign up. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets. Consider becoming a premium subscriber. For $9 a month or less, premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our Discord server. They also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services. And of course, there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech. By the way, you don't need the .tech suffix to get to that website. .com will do the trick. And we also have a Substack that you can where you can sign up for the same prices, same benefits, same details, contrarianpod.substack.com. So if you already have a Substack account and use it or have the app and use that, that's probably the best way to go. So contrarian.supercast.com or contrarianpod.substack.com. Whole bunch of benefits, including, of course, getting this episode up to a week early without ads or annoying announcements. 
And you also get the Daily Contrarian briefing and podcast that is released every market day morning at 7 a.m. This is a contrarian take on the events of the day ahead and what is likely to move markets, such as economic data releases, earnings, and other things. It is really good, and that is completely unbiased, of course. So check that out, contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.tech. Now on with the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Here with Mike Pisani of smartoptiontrading.com. Mike, this is the section of the show where our guest tells us a little bit more about himself or herself and how he or she got started in investing, their origin story, if you will, to put it into Marvel terms. So yeah, have at it. What, what, tell us what your, your background is, how you came into this, and so, how you find yourself now. I um, It was just after the financial crisis had just taken place, and uh, this was going back into the 2008, you know, into the fall. And I started making my first, I looked at the market and saw it crashing down. I said, I got, I, I got to get involved in this somehow. So I started, for the first time, started buying individual stocks. And uh, I bought GM, and I bought Ford, and I bought... Um, I bought a triple leverage fund, which I knew nothing about how it worked at that boy at that point. Uh, that was uh, UPRO and <laughs> something like that. And I bought a couple other names, knowing that some of them wouldn't work. And you know, sure enough, uh, GM went to zero. Right? That that you know, again, I was buying this stuff in the low low dollar range. These things were cheap, but the some of the stuff, and I just sat there and held it, and I made a ton of money off of it. And I'm like, oh, this is easy. Course is easy. It's the first time ever doing anything. Oh, this yeah. is simple, right? Everything's easy. Um, and so then I eventually got myself about a couple of years later. Somebody said, "Yo, you should get into options. They're leveraged." So I made my first couple options trade, and the uh, first one was on Zenga. Huh. God help me. And I, you know, I, I made like a couple grand off. I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome!" I put two grand in. I made like two grand back, and then I, I had like Ford. I made like ten grand on. I'm like, I'm, I'm running along here, and I'm getting into options. And then um, I bought some Northrop Grumman. I remember I was watching Mad Money and I think Tim Collins was on. He's like, I really like this stock. So oh, let me go buy, if I buy $10,000 worth of stock, I'll buy $10,000 worth of options. Again, I had not yet learned anything about options. I was just going blind. And I went on vacation and I'm, I'm up in Canada and uh, I look at my, my thing of that and I'm like, oh, they had earnings. And I didn't recognize what earnings was. I had no clue what I was doing at this time. And um, I looked at it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm up 20K. A minute later, oh my God, I'm down 15K. What the hell is going on here? I had no idea what it was. And uh, I ended up making like 10 grand and getting out, but I had no idea at that point. And that's when I decided I really need to start learning about options, and wow. what they were and how to trade them and started diving in and took the classes and also just started reading on them and just practicing with them at that point. Huh. And so that, how did that take you from, so what is smart option trading and how does that work? Yeah, so I uh, guess about four years ago, I started my own service, and what we do there is we run a room, and we're a live trading room, and we we day trade, we swing trade, whatever, investing uh, there, but what I've learned to do is follow, follow the option flow during the day, and you see the option flow coming in, like today, they were buying heavy puts on Tesla for next week, and heavy puts on Face Meta, I still keep calling it Facebook, mm -hmm. Meta for next week, and they were buying heavy calls on UPST for this week. And then, you know, it just kind of tells you sometimes where the money's flowing and where you can go and where you can find momentum or where you should be taking your bets. So we use that. We use news. We use events. We use technicals, you know, whatever's going on. And the goal is just to try to work and find where, what's in play that day to make money on and where should we be going with it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so for me today, I added to a, I started a long-term option swing on Boeing with the January 200 calls. 
again, I like it's it's a technical setup. The chart looks really nice here. Uh, I, I think if the market goes, this one can run. But I also learned that you don't have to take full size. So if you're willing to have 10 options, you know, today's a great day to have one or two to start and then wait until tomorrow and see what happens reaction from there. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So you, um, so how, what's your, I guess, yeah. What is your, your holding period typically on these? Do, do you try to, as long as you have a profit, as soon as you have a profit, you get out or, you know, so it depends. Like if I'm day trading or, or, you know, sometimes scalp trading, I may only stay in these for a few minutes to a few hours. Uh, Boeing, I went out to January because I want a time. So I'm, I'm looking for, I'm thinking Boeing can get up into the 190 area. And that's would be my goal is to either trim it up there or start to take some. And I always recommend to people, you trim along the way. You know, you don't have to, it's yeah. not, an, options are not an all or nothing deal. And you always put a stop in place. You know, for me, 50% stop loss. If I'm down 50%, the chance of that trade working at that point is slim to none yeah. on options. Yeah, interesting. Um, you need obviously you need volatility for for this to work in general. I suspect you need momentum. I, I don't like yeah. to use the word volatility because okay. volatility me implies that the market's not going wrong. But you need momentum. And if you look at Boeing's chart, it's got this nice two and a half week flag has sitting in here and just riding the eight day moving average very nicely. Where the market looks choppier, this one's holding up nicer and just it's got a pretty look to it. Hmm. After a nice, it had a nice week and a half run and it's kind of consolidating it. And that's what I like. I like to see, you know, you have a big move. I don't like to chase a big move. I'd like to let it consolidate. So it's been mm. consolidating now. So instead of waiting for it to break out, I'm going to try it down here with my stop down. I'd probably get stopped out if, if Boeing got down below 169 again. Okay. Okay. And why not just buy the stock? I mean, it, it's been down for a while. And I don't, well, you know, my risk is premium paid here, right? I see. You know, you can put your risk in. So if the worst came to worse and I stop wasn't honored, and I've had that happens at times, sometimes your stop's not honored. Well, if you're in a if you're in a bunch of stock and it comes screaming down, then you, next thing you know, you're in a world of hurt, making a very emotional decision. At least if you're in an option, you can look at it and say, "Well, this is my risk, is my premium paid. I can't lose more than you know. I can't lose more than that. I'm not going to take a huge hit." So, how long have you have you been trading options? I mean, it sounds like this goes back to like 2010, 20, yeah, 20, yeah, about 20, 2010. Uh huh. And are these, do you just do basic uh, puts and calls? You put on anything more exotic, collars or? You know, I, I play with spreads sometimes, especially okay. on, I used to play with spreads mostly on games like Amazon and Google, just because they were so expensive. And it's a way to cut down your risk and stay in the trade longer, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. But spreads, I find it'd be harder to get in and out of because right. there's two moving pieces and this, you get in the middle, you know, it gets wider, it gets harder to hit. So I tend to use straight calls or puts for the most part honest answer, but you can do whatever you'd like. Uh, I do sell cover calls when I have stock. I don't have much stock to sell cover calls against right now. I've been pretty much mm -hmm. selling into last year. And so I don't really have much on there. So I haven't really been doing that. Mm -hmm. How much of this do you do? It sounds like you don't do very much in the, as like a lot of people use options just to hedge their portfolio, but for you, so is there any of that? Like you buy out of the money puts and, and hold on to those at all or? If if I had enough that I felt I needed to, I have all the yeah. time. But because my I'm sitting in like ninety percent cash in my big account, I'm just oh wow. I just don't feel the need to do. I'm just been sitting there all year like that. I just don't feel the need to hedge for that little uh -huh. bit amount. Um, uh -huh. I'd rather sell cover calls if I need to. But or a lot of times I used to also hedge by using VXX calls, which is a oh, derivative okay. of the VIX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically saying okay, if, if if the market goes down, the VIX is going to go nuts, and you can make money on that way. So. That tomato, hasn't tomato. Really worked out though, has it? I mean, the VIX has been weird this for the last couple of years. The, this year specifically, the yeah. VIX has just been, you know, I use the term broken sometimes, but it just yeah. it just has never seemed to really take into account the risk. And even here now, it seems to have, say, ah, there's no risk. Yeah. 
and when it market's selling, it doesn't seem to go that much. It should be going much higher. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but you are generally bullish for next year, so you not aren't concerned about a, a recession and how that would that would affect things. I personally believe we're already in a recession, so yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, I love how we've changed that. Oh, two negative quarters of GDP in a row is not a recession. Well, that's always been the definition of a recession, but that's beside the point. So I believe we're already in one, and I believe that as long as we don't get any, listen, uh, uh, you know, you you want a black swan event. Everybody last year, this year, been worried about China invading Taiwan. Well, that would be a massive uprising and upheaval in China, and that would affect that would cause a big time recession because so much of our goods in the world goods come out of China. If nobody's producing goods, that's not going to be coming out. By the way, that would stop any talk of an invasion of Taiwan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am concerned about the re- recession going better, bigger lift, especially if the Fed keeps their foot on the gas. Right. But I, I really think that this is not the end of the game over yet. I think, in my opinion, this is a a mild bear market, and it's been a you know, and I mean my mild as we came down, but I don't believe we're going to get one of these. I see people out there saying, "Oh, we need to go to twenty six hundred or whatever." I'm like, you know patience right you can't even you know as soon as we bounce the bears come out of the woods and, and they we could but I, I think the odds are that the market's going to look to rally especially if inflation starts to come in yeah yeah interesting yeah. okay and but unemployment and things like that potential defaults which we tend to see in recessions not, not... well i mean that's the, the big worry here is the yeah. one thing that came out last week was that consumer credit has gone through the roof they're mm-hmm. living on their credit cards and then you saw that the black friday cyber monday sales were huge online and the worry, and that is a concern, right? The yeah. concern is if the Fed keeps hiking rates and people are living on their credit cards, eventually they're going to start defaulting because they can't even make the minimum payments, right? Mm-hmm. So that is an absolute concern. Again, I am of the hope and opinion that cooler heads will eventually figure this stuff out and realize the Fed will go from hiking to suddenly having to start easing and coming back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a very optimistic view here for our uh, Tuesday afternoon um, here, the second to last day of November, as we record this. Um, let me see here. So yeah, maybe in closing, tell us how we can find out more about you. I've, I'll have i put it in the show notes as well, smartoptiontrading.com. How does that work if people want to sign up? And where it else is, can people find you? I know you're active, you're active on Twitter. You're going to find me very active on Twitter at Options mm-hmm. Mike. You'll find me there all the time. You go to smartoptiontrading.com, click on live trading room. I charge $25 for the first 30 days. That is a get to know me period. If you don't like me, it costs you two drinks and you're you know you're out and maybe hopefully you make some money along the way. But it gets you a chance to get to know me and get to know how we work and get to see us over some time. So I make it real easy for you to come in and you can cancel at any time directly through PayPal. Or if you can't do it, just ask me. I'll take care of it for you. Cool. And how does it how do you what technology do you use? Is it Discord or how do you yep. how do you so we use Discord for chat and I use Zoom for video and voice because it's just so much the clarity is just so much better than Discord. Yeah. And we post everything on Twitter and it goes automatically into Discord as well. So, you know, whatever floats your boat, but Discord is where we do all our chatting all day long. And that's where the place to come in and see, hey, what's going on? What are people saying? What are some other people in the room doing? Uh-huh. But, you, but you're on Zoom all day long, like live. And, and we go live at uh, a little before nine every morning and then uh-huh. uh, go off around four. Or if it's earnings season, I might even be on at four thirty, five o'clock. Wow. Okay. That's a long day. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, that's really cool. Um, very cool. All right. Well, yeah, everybody go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, thanks, Mike, to coming on and, and giving us all these really interesting views. Thank you all for listening. And with that, we will look forward to speaking to you again next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time.